This is Hannah And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. Hello. Hi, how are you, Hannah? I'm good. I have so many things I want to talk about Let's today. jump right in. We'll jump right in. Let's start with uh, this, this sad news. Stephen Hawking is dead. Yeah. Uh, sad news because he's such a prominent scientist and... Look, I'm not going to even try to explain to you his accomplishments. Yeah. I tried reading like the stuff because I'd never read the A Brief History of Time. No, Sorry, I should. Um, but I read a lot of the obituaries and I read a lot of the remembrances of him. Mm-hmm. And you could tell, okay, what he did with physics and what he tried to do and what physicists are still doing today. Mm-hmm. Obviously impactful. He changed the way people think about these things. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he did it while also... Dealing with this disability yeah, is also ALS. amazing and inspiring to a lot of people. I think I said this when this first happened. I don't know how many people will ever be able to say they made this magnitude of a contribution to science. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, they inspired like an Academy Award winning performance. Yeah. I th- and appeared on The Simpsons. <laughs> and, like so many random things in his biography that are so neat. Yeah, Hawking definitely... Um, I think is, I mean, obviously, like, we don't have to say, like, one of the greatest minds, mm-hmm. probably the greatest mind of our generation, yada, yada, yada. But I think what's interesting about his contribution to science is that he um, did a really, I, th- I feel like he's one of the early scientists that made very difficult science, if not super accessible, at least appealing to the masses, which yeah. I think, you know, like, it. you see the Neil deGrasse Tysons and the Bill Nyes, who are doing similar work. I feel like he... Not only did it earlier, but he did it with much more complicated, like, physical things. I would add to that that other than the science communicators you just mentioned, he legitimately changed the way we think about that entire field, which he didn't just communicate science like Neil deGrasse Tyson and Bill Nye. Like, he actually changed the way they do the science. I was going to say that, but I definitely didn't have my facts straight because I don't know, like, exactly (laughs) Neil deGrasse Tyson's accomplishments in the field of of astrophysics. um, Like, at least with Neil deGrasse Tyson, who has a PhD and all that stuff, I I couldn't tell you what his astrophysics specific contributions are, but I don't think they change the world. They're just, they're interesting to people who Uh, are in astrophysics. Correct me if I'm wrong, people. Um, (laughs) But he's so much bigger and well-known as the popularizer. Bill Nye isn't a scientist. He is a popularizer of it. That's Mm -hmm. fine. Um, But again, very few people could do... I think Richard Dawkins is close in that sense, where he really changed the way people look at evolutionary biology. Uh And obviously his books have made a... I know they changed the way I think about evolution and understand it, but certainly not in the way Hawking did. So... yeah. That sucks. That was going to happen at some point, but mm-hmm. it's it's still sad to acknowledge. I did want to raise one thing about his death that someone raised to me, and I I thought I answered it. I'm not sure that I did, so I want to okay. raise this up. Okay, here's the issue. Stephen Hawking dies. He's an atheist. He said as much a few years ago, at, at least out for the first time, because he always referenced God in his works, but in a more metaphorical, like... He's not the one who originated God the Gaps, was he? No. No? No. But he would That's say things him, like, right? we're trying to discover the mind of God as a metaphor. Yes, like a, yes, yes. A as nebulous very, force. Yeah, exactly. Nebulous is a great word. And it's a way for him to also... He never had to say, you know, God doesn't exist. No, mm-hmm. he just put the science out there. You could interpret that as you would. Fine. Mm-hmm. But he dies. He is an atheist. And... 
a lot of people online, I'm going to quote Texas State Representative Briscoe Kane. You can guess his political allegiances. His name is Briscoe? Briscoe. I kind of love that. And he's from Texas. But here's what he posted uh, that night. Stephen Hawking now knows the truth about how the universe was actually made. My condolences to his family. Gross. Yeah, like... What, like, because now he knows God exists because now he's dead, so now he knows he's wrong about that? And they call atheists smug. Like, I challenge you to find a smugger (laughs) thing to say. When a reporter contacted him and, like, why are you being a dick to Stephen Hawking? (laughs) What he said is, you know, my tweet was to show the gravity of the gospel and what happens when we die, namely that we will all one day meet the creator of the universe face to face. you super nailed that, dude. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But also implied in that is that Hawking denied God's existence, and if his theology is a Christian theology, standard by the book, like, Hawking is burning in hell, Mm -hmm. according to his view of the world. Yeah. So basically his, you know, his way of expressing condolences is, well, Stephen Hawking is burning in hell now, told you so. (sighs) Um, And by the way, he wasn't alone. Other celebrities, or at least whatever, people with check marks on Twitter, um... (laughs) And, you know, Westboro Baptist Church, we're all saying more or less the same thing. Now mm-hmm. he knows God exists. Now he's whatever. Okay, fine. Uh, they are. It's just such an untoward thing to say. Like, it's just like so crass, you know? It, it is. Here's the question that I want to raise uh, Billy Graham died a week or two ago, mm-hmm. and a lot of atheists uh, were quick to say, not. I'm sure there were some, but mm-hmm. by and large, most people weren't saying like, oh, ha fuck you, Billy Grant. No, they were like, oh, well, sorry to his family and people yeah. who lost him. But here's what he did that was bad. Let's mm-hmm. not forget what he said about Jews. Let's not forget he really wasn't a champion of civil rights, in, even though he lived and worked, in a sense, with Martin Luther King Jr., mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot to criticize and everyone wants to praise him and whatever. I'm sure he, I know he meant a lot to a lot of Christians, uh-huh. but there were problems in his biography. Let's not forget that. Mm-hmm. And atheists were quick, including myself, quick to point that out. The question is, is there a difference between the two? Because I saw a lot of atheists saying, look, all these people saying Stephen Hawking is burning in hell now, like one, too soon Two, like, you're just being an asshole about it. Um, and I don't know what number three is, but is there a difference between them criticizing Stephen Hawking for his beliefs versus atheists who criticize Billy Graham? I, I would say not for his beliefs, but for what he for did. His actions. No one was saying Stephen Hawking, Stephen, uh, Stephen Hawking lived a bad life. Yeah. Um, I, I would think that's a difference. If, I think the most generous reading of that would be that. I think from a certain point of view, you could say that Stephen Hawking promoted science and which necessarily sort of pushed religion out of the mainstream in a lot of ways. So maybe they did see it as a very much like, not only was he doing, was he <laughs> I was gonna say doing science, not only was he a scientist and a contributor in that sense, but he may in their mind have been, uh, one of the reasons that we live in a more secular world now because science explains more things because people like you're saying they're quick to uh, condemn him more or less because in their mind he also had stuff to condemn yeah uh, i mean i think i mean i think that if you take it from that sort of reading of it i could i could argue a one for one for him and, and Billy Graham of saying like, okay they both promoted the thing they believed in which necessarily made less room for secularism or religion depending on which i don't know but that's also 
maybe I've thought about it more than like anybody who is like, now he's burning in hell. Cause right. like, I don't think that's, but to me, the difference was they're criticizing Stephen Hawking for what he believed. And that's not, I think what a lot of atheists said about Billy Graham. They weren't saying mm. he died. He was a Christian. He wasted his life. That would maybe be comparable, but that's not what atheists were saying. To me, we were criticizing a legitimate thing to criticize about. Yeah. It's not like the, condemnation I'm seeing of Stephen Hawking is whatever yeah. his contributions to the world were useless or right. some variation right. of that. And I was definitely giving like the most generous yeah. reading of that. Do I think that's a really shitty thing to, I mean, I, I think there are things like when um, Fred Phelps died, Fred Phelps, right? Mm-hmm. I always want to get him mixed up with Michael Phelps and that would be no. so bad. <laughs> um, when Fred Phelps he died, swam his way to hell. <laughs> when Fred Phelps died, it was very much a like, you know what? Fuck that guy. Like he was bad. He brought bad to the world. Um, and so I really don't necessarily have a big problem with like people saying like, cool, glad, glad you're gone. We don't need you. Um, I don't think that Billy Graham deserved nor got the same amount of vitriol. Um, but that's not to say he didn't. And that's not to say people didn't see that. No, there was one person, uh, one journalist online who was very quick to treat Billy Graham as if he were his son, Franklin Graham, who mm. is like a religious right, mm-hmm. known for his bigotry, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm glad you're gone, more or less. I'm paraphrasing what she said. Like, yeah, there was there were some people who did that. Well, and I think it was totally unwarranted, which is what you're saying, too, because mm-hmm. he wasn't the Fred Phelps type of guy. But there was stuff to criticize. And I, I wonder if people were using Billy Graham as an excuse to, like, bring out this talking point. <laughs> like, frankly. just bash the religious right yeah, sort of thing. Honestly, like that could be it because he was he did represent this place of religious privilege that has lived in the United States for such a long time that like just because this guy was you know this this Christian this evangelist evangelist yeah evangelist the this figurehead of the religious right he had the privileges of being a a, a like right-hand man to many presidents and that is a symbol of the kind of privilege of and and deference to religion that we have in this country so maybe that was part of it him as a human being i mean yeah he believed in some bogus shit and had some questionable views but he didn't he he didn't have the malice of a fred phelps i That's guess fair. uh let me go to another story that was maybe a happier story which is that rick saccone in pennsylvania lost yeah oh my god i was so stoked about that i stayed i haven't and i were texting a little bit because we were both stayed up to watch the returns which Mm -hmm. was fruitless i did worshiping the altar of steve kornacki can we talk about (laughs) steve kornacki because i've never loved anybody i'm like i must have seen this guy before because i've definitely watched returns on msnbc oh it's the best part of the night and then the election night so this guy do what do you know what his official title is uh no don't care i don't know (laughs) okay so i just want to give context to this analyst and so he is the guy that on election night he stands in front of like the big like touch screen and talks about like okay we're at five percent in and here's where he stands and these are the 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 um the area's reporting and this is what we have left to go this is what he has to do and he's like a human version of the new york times needle he is saying like this is what we have left it's a republican area this is what we can expect yeah and then he because he has the data available to him 
he can kind of give you a, a an educated estimate of where things may be standing, what we're waiting for. And he's so fucking psyched to do it. <laughs> like, so he, I started watching at like the Chris Hayes program. So I watched Hayes, Maddow. I'm trying to just count the hours he was we on. We get it. He You're was a on, liberal. Shut up. No, I'm just trying to count the hours he was on. So he was on Hayes, Maddow, Lawrence O'Donnell. And then, two, so he was on air for five hours. And I think and he was, stayed up to announce yeah. the winner, like at 5 a.m. He so did he, not. Oh, I didn't see so, that. And then he went to sleep or to the hospital to fix his hand <laughs> or whatever. But, he, but I need everybody to understand that he literally was on screen the entire, <laughs> like they had a little like picture in picture of like, what's he up to now? And so he's running around with notebooks and a laptop and and like his smartphone and then just once in a while he like looks frantically <laughs> at the camera and like Brian Williams is like everybody shut up he has something to say and at one part this is honestly my favorite <laughs> like at one point he's just reading numbers from his spreadsheet I was like I could watch this all night but the best part and I rewound it and took a video of it because I've never been so in love with a human being <laughs> he's like writing <laughs> Right, you know the like smart board. What are those called? Touch, sure. Touch smart screen, smart screen, board, smart touch. Um, mm. so he's doing something up there, and he's talking to the camera, and he's doing something up there, and then he writes something down, like physically on a thing, and then he goes to grab his phone, so he like, like puts his pencil in his mouth like this, and he starts talking, and goes, oh sorry, <laughs> and <laughs> spits like on screen mid sentence. Like, oh sorry, and spits his pencil out on the ground. And it was, ju- it's just like this guy who is living his best life. Like, this is his nerdy <laughs> it's dream. It's the Super Bowl for nerds. It is. It's so it's fun. Because like, he's excited. Yeah, like and there's saying. something I love about watching people, like, do the thing they're most fucking stoked to do, especially <laughs> when it's kind of, like, nerdy or dumb. Like, we see people, like, in athletics all the time, like, yes, this is what they want to do. But, God, how, like... I just love, he's like just doing math on the board and like do, it was, it was like a glorious thing to see. And I enjoyed every moment of it. And I couldn't, I was like sitting by myself giggling, like just enjoying it. I anyway. I'm totally with you. So Rick Saccone lost in Pennsylvania uh-huh. and nail biter uh, in a very close race. One of the things Saccone's, and I, by the way, I say he lost and not that Connor Lamb won not that he didn't, t- but it was his to lose. Yeah, I mean, it, to be clear, uh, Trump won that district by 20 points. And so the fact that even, Con- and we've talked about this, the fact that like the Republicans were putting money into this campaign was baffling to see. The fact that like it was... This should have been a gimme for it them. It should have been... So, this is, like, and as people have said so many times, this is a district that was <laughs> gerrymandered to give like a monkey as long as it was a Republican monkey, mm-hmm. a victory, no matter who they Democrats were up against. haven't even run a, a nominee in the last two cycles. So that's like how crazy this is to see. One of the things Saccone said before he lost, uh, maybe before Election Day, I think, uh, as he stood next to Donald Trump Jr., he said they're energized. He was talking about Democrats in general. They're energized for hate for our president. Many of them have a hatred for our country. I'll uh-huh. tell you some more. My wife and I saw it again today. They have a hatred for God. This is his pitch to this conservatives. This is Rick Saccone oh, Rick telling Saccone. his rally, basically, like a day before the election, this is what we're up against. We're up against a bunch of God haters. Yeah, I which, mean... Again, they're confusing God with the president. People don't like Trump. And and confusing hatred for God for not believing that it exists. Which, uh, this is the thing that bothered me about that comment. Like, look, I wish we could take credit for (laughs) defeating this guy. Yeah. But the thing is, Connor Lamb and most, I'm guessing, of the people who voted for him 
are fully believers of God. I'm sure most of them are Christian. Yeah, it's Western like, Pennsylvania. It's, it's Western pretty... Pennsylvania. It's, it's not an atheist haven <laughs> of sorts. So it's not, uh, this is the thing, it's not that the Democrats have a hatred of God. Mm-hmm. It's that eh, plenty of them believe in God, but they just don't hate other mm-hmm. people as much as Saccone does, mm-hmm. who disagree with them in that sense. So it, it's, I hate when Republicans conflate like, the people who don't agree with my religious views, like exactly. Right. It's not that they believe in a different God. It's not that they hold a different theology than I do while mm-hmm. still being Christian. It jumps right to hate God. they hate God. But that's, I mean, it makes sense. Cause if you watch any piece of Christian propaganda and I'm thinking specifically of like Christian movies, yeah, like that's God's always not what dead. It, yeah, that is that, what the obviously atheists are thinking doing. Exactly. If God's not dead, thank you for narrowing that down <laughs> for me. It's the only but, Christian movie. But that's, that's what the story always is, is not that, oh, they don't believe in God or whatever. It's that they're mad at God. Their mom died and they're mad at God. Their wife left them, so they're mad at God. Like, <laughs> it, I think it's so beyond them to think this person just doesn't really acknowledge or live, like, think about it in their everyday life. That just seems like a baffling thing. Um, I've a- got another thing about Trump. Yes. Uh, so, so this is actually... Um, like a month and a half old, but I just came across it today. So I want to talk about it because it was buck wild. Um, so in this is in Texas near Dallas, um, a woman named Randy, a reporter named Randy K sat down with six um, women who still are standing behind Trump. And she won. And these women are devoutly Christian. And she wanted to kind of get an idea of like, why do you still believe in Trump? Does do his affairs bother you? Um, so I want to kind of set the scene. So it's six women of probably between 30 and I think 60 or so. And they all have like this same shade of bottle blonde hair. It was, and they're all wearing black. They all have the same color hair. And it was just a very off-putting like thing to see. And so these, so she, she's asking, what about the, the affairs? What do you think? Um, the video, which describes them as Linda Churchwell and these other ladies, which I really liked. Also, mm. this name is Church, the woman's name is Churchwell, which is great. Um, so the woman says, the, excuse me, the reporter says, do you care if your president had an affair before he was president? There's a course of no's, not, and then not if it's before specifically. Um, and then they said, because, uh, because his base doesn't care about that, then she went on with, you know, they care about the economy and they care about safety. Um, and somebody said at some point, if he had, oh no, that's a different thing I have. Somebody else justifying what Donald Trump is doing. But uh, this woman, Linda Churchwell said, <clears throat> it doesn't matter because that's what Christianity is all about. It's about forgiveness. It's about new beginnings. It's all about starting over. So it's irrelevant to me about what he did in 2006. Okay. Cool. Fine. Um, and then I just want to transcribe a couple uh, quotes by these women. This woman is maybe the all-time greatest name <laughs> Of unfriendly atheist history. Her name is Peaches McGuire Coates. Yes. Isn't that great? Yes. Um, she said, quote, this man was a successful businessman who did not have the people praying daily for him like he does now. He has transformed even the year that we've seen him from a brash New York person to the president we are proud of today. And Dina Miller said, um, I think we're all different people today when we're, than we were in 2006. He's a father. He's a grandfather. When you have children... The way, they, the way you look at the world changes. 
I just want to be extraordinarily <laughs> clear that he was a father to four right, right. in 2006. So it is like the most bending over backwards. It was, it's a lot to deal with. And again, all of these same people, I suspect, because uh, I think I had it to talk about later. If it were anybody but Donald Trump, all those previous before the presidency scandals would have been like a discrediting thing. But because it's him, everything. But they've slides. bought the ticket at this point, so yeah. they have no choice. They feel they have no choice but to take the ride. So yeah, they're gonna like do every backflip they have to. To um, yeah. what's the? It, it's like called the Concord fallacy or something. You've invested so much into this thing that even when it's a failure, you don't want to say I screwed up because you've invested so much time uh-huh. into it. So you just keep, you just keep building it. You keep wasting the money. You keep. Supporting Donald Trump, uh-huh. even when it's so obvious to everyone, like cut your losses, you're well, done, just it, leave. It's a very similar thing that we see people leaving religion or God leaving cults or something more specific like that. Of oh my God, have I put Scientology, for example, have I put tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars into this thing that is not real? Have I been scammed? No, that can't be true. It must be true. So I'm going to double down. Yeah. Or it's, forget the money. It's I've invested years, years and decades of my, of my life into this religion. Yeah. Why would I leave it? I can't just admit, yeah, those last 20 years, I was just wrong. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to leave. It's, it's, it's a denial. You don't want to give up on it. It is. Um, uh, let me bring up this issue, which happened recently. This is... There's a Christian author who just came out with a book. She's a Houston Baptist University professor, Nancy Piercy. Her new book is basically talking to evangelical Christians about LGBTQ people. So you know that's going to work. Yeah, I'm holding my breath. Wait, yeah. pro or anti? Oh, take a wild guess. Oh, God. I was oh, yeah, just... she's totally anti. But the thing is, that's not surprising. No. She's trying to help you as the reader reach out to these transgenders and so the thing, but the thing is, like, it's clear she hasn't talked to trans people. It's clear she doesn't you don't know. Fucking I know. Say, Hammett. I know. Here's one of the things she said at a recent event where she was promoting the book. Um, if you go to uh, trans critical websites, I'm going to skip to the chase here, cut <laughs> to the chase here. A lot of these websites are oriented towards same-sex people because they have gay and lesbian children, wait for it, who are being pressured by trans activists to go all the way and become trans. <laughs> she went on. Let me, let me explain. What? It's not enough to be gay or lesbian anymore. If you're a girl, for example, who identifies as lesbian because you're more masculine than most girls... They say, well, you need to acknowledge that you're really a boy. So basically, oh, you're a lesbian. You're kind of masculine. Therefore, you have to be trans. So just as if this is all a spectrum and you got to keep pushing them onto the trans end of it. Female, tomboy, lesbian, trans. In some order. Yes. Something like that. Right. So wait, hold on. In her mind, I need to unpack that. In your mind, if you're a lesbian who's kind of a tomboy, that's not enough for the activists anymore. You need to just have a sex change. But wait, read read back because she said, "Are you a lesbian because you're more?" Uh, If you're a girl, for example, who identifies as lesbian because you're more masculine than most girls, which is not how it works. Which is not at all how it works. The activists they say, "Well, you need to acknowledge that you're really a boy." 
which is also not how it works. Yikes. Just to be clear, there were no citations she offered. What? I know. There were no websites she even pointed to for these trans activists who were urging people to go be trans. Yeah. Because that's not what happens. Um, there are, look, there are no trans activists telling cisgendered people, hey, be trans. Because yeah. it's not a switch you turn on and off. Um, this is the Mike Huckabee sort of thing where he's like, well, if I were in high school, I would say I'm trans so that I could go in women's Which locker rooms. Which is still the and, grossest thing any yeah. human has ever said. So, so anyway, and she just assumes that you just, uh, if you're a, whatever, if you're a kid who thinks you're the opposite gender, then that's it. You're just suddenly, you get to be trans and the doctors will give you the hormone therapy. Like, again, not how it works. There's yeah. counseling involved. There's a period of time when you have to like, they, they will make you like prove your, that this is what you actually want. Um, but the <laughs> fact is like, it shouldn't be hard to talk to transgender people and just confirm any of this, but which she didn't do. I mean, that's do. true I mean, for like, anything. Like that uh, was true for gay people back yeah, in the day. No, it's you're true right. For atheists you're now. Right. Uh, that's what's frustrating is that it's really offensive. That too. Uh, it's not just just that she said this to the Heritage Foundation this week. It's mm-hmm. that like other publications that are even more in the mainstream evangelical press, like Christianity Today, they were publishing like excerpts from her book as if there were something legitimate about it, and it's not. There isn't. She's just wrong. So there's that. Yikes. Um, I have one more Trump thing. Yes. Do you have any other Trump things? Oh, I have many of Trump things, I'm sure. Okay. But carry um, on. <laughs> so um, apparently half of Trump voters are totally fine with the affair with Stan- Stormy Daniels. Mm-hmm. So I want to kind of get into the Stan- Stormy Daniels thing because it's what I think is really interesting about what's going on is there seems to be a perception of of Trump apologists, I'll call them, who are framing this as Democrats, the evil left or whatever we are, are trying to take Trump down because he had an extramarital affair, which is not true. And I want to be very clear about why the Stormy Daniels story matters. Because first of all, by the way, I was, like, doing some research on her. She sounds really cool. Like, she's an equestrian. She bought a pony for her daughter. Like, those are the things I like about her so far. (laughs) Um, So three-quarters of Trump voters also contend that even if um, Daniel's allegations are true, that they're not relevant to his presidency. Um, And, again, I don't, and we've talked about this before, I don't care much about many politicians' personal lives. I think... By and large, it's not necessarily relevant to the conversation that we're having. Are there questions of like what morality is and what it isn't? Maybe. But I think we want to like keep our eyes on the prize and say it's not just that he had this affair with this woman. And, and yeah, 12 years ago is a long time. He did just have a human son, though, so maybe he should have been hanging out with him. But the fact that either campaign money or his personal lawyer lawyer's money who I think mortgaged his house or something (laughs) went to keep this woman quiet is an issue. It is a campaign finance issue. It is something that is 
could blow up to be a big thing. So I just want to be clear about what we care and don't care about. Uh, just to piggyback on that. So Tony Perkins, the uh, family research council, religious right leader guy, he brought oh. up the same thing. He was kind of making the same case that like, no, it doesn't really matter. The Stormy Daniels thing. And he was quick to chastise people on the left what his argument was is that liberals were bringing up the Stormy Daniels affair in order to, quote, shame evangelicals for their political yes, participation. I have this too. Like, we're not mad at evangelicals for voting. That We know they vote. That's not the issue. It's that they're hypocrites who, again, if any other politician with not a rep- R after their name did the same things, they would totally talk about how this but is I the mean, worst thing ever. Here's the thing is like, I, I'm not, I definitely do not want to discourage anybody from voting period, but I would say he's not super far off. And like, I do think Christian evangelicals should be ashamed of voting for, for Donald Trump. Right. Shamed for voting for Trump, shamed for voting against the values they claim to hold. Right. Not just for participating in politics as if, yes, how dare correct. you religious people get involved in the right. process. That's not the issue. Everyone gets involved in the are process. They, are they conflating? Like, I really, I don't know why I always want to like try to dig in to think like where, what's their point of view? Are they saying because we think religion should stay out of politics that means we think Christians should stay out of politics? I think that's his argument, that that everything is persecution to him. So if we're criticizing evangelicals for anything, Mm -hmm. we're saying you should all stay... If you have these hardcore religious views, stay home, don't vote, don't say anything, you don't get a voice in politics. Right. That's really not the issue. The issue here is you all claim that these things matter, but hey, when it means you get your president, per, your like all judges. that goes out the window, you don't actually care about any of this stuff. Yeah, and he said, this is my favorite quote. So he said, folks, you have nothing to be ashamed about supporting this president. He's kept his promises, and as long as he continues to keep those promises... He's kept zero promises. Correct, and he continues to conduct himself in a way that is keeping with the office. Then he said, you know, if we, if he were to engage in behavior like Bill Clinton... We're out of here. That support would evaporate quickly. Bill Clinton, by the way, who had an affair consensually uh-huh. uh, at the time anyway. Yeah. That's what he's talking about. Donald Trump's grabbing people without consent. Right. But for some reason, his thing is like, well, he didn't do and, it while he was in the White right. House. And again, think about the things. I guess if you're going to draw a line somewhere, <laughs> fine. Think about the things that he has done since entering the White House in terms of disrespect, in terms of tearing apart families yes. on a whim. Um, in terms of kicking people out of the military because he just chose to one morning without any conversation. Of expounding like, racist, misogynistic, yeah, none xenophobic of rhetoric. No, but which, if he has an affair consensually like Bill Clinton, then they'll leave. But the racism, meh, don't worry about it. That's what's so problematic fucked. with the evangelicals that are the white evangelicals, like yeah. the 80% of them who continue to support this guy no matter what yeah. he does. That's the issue. Apparently more than half of Trump vo- voters don't hesitate to say the, pr- say the pr- phrase moral leader applies to the president very or extremely well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, cool. I want to talk about this, ha- which happened this week. Um, here's the background you need to know. Yes. The military, the Navy specifically here, has a whole bunch of chaplains available to people who serve Uh, in the armed forces and and the Navy has their own chaplains. Everyone has chaplains. Mm -hmm. What do they do? They serve the emotional needs of these soldiers. Mm -hmm. Think of them as counselors. Mm -hmm. You know, they go through so much. They have 
trauma in a lot of cases. They're apart from their families. You want to talk to somebody. You want a trained counselor who can help you out. So these religious chaplains, fine. We should have them. I have no problem with that. But there's a whole bunch of military, there's a whole bunch of soldiers who are not religious. Mm -hmm. And if they go to see, let's say, a Christian chaplain who thinks the solution is praying, praying, a Bible reading, religious verses saying God is going to look after you, which doesn't do anything for those soldiers. Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't really help. Right. So the question is, should there be a non-religious chaplain? Or I should say, let me forget non-religious. Let me get the phrasing here right. Okay. Should there be a humanist chaplain in the military? And the argument... Haven't we have been having this discussion for like six years? Something like that. Yeah, it's been up for a while. Right now, there are zero humanist chaplains in the military. Really? Yeah. But the argument here, and here's a couple things about it. One is, you know, do they have to meet the same requirements as a religious chaplain? And some of the requirements are like, you have to be um, approved by... You have to have the endorsement of a religious organization. Well, guess what? There's oh, a humanist chaplain named Jason Heap who is endorsed by the Humanist Society, which is accredited. And he went through their course and they approved him. He is, you can Google this guy, Jason Heap, but like his credentials are impeccable. Mm-hmm. Uh, academically, physically, paperwork-wise, like he's fine on paper. If he were a Christian, he'd be a chaplain. No one would ask any questions about it. Mm-hmm. But his endorsement came from the Humanist Society. Last year, here's where it gets a little strange. Last year, the Department of Defense, they actually changed their own rules to say that they have a list of faith and belief groups that they include. They included humanism on that list last year. They also included deism. And what that means is... Really? Deism? Yeah. And they said, like, these are faith and belief groups that if you are in the military and you want to gather with like-minded people, mm-hmm. um, these are legit religions you can cite to gather with those people. And the argument now is, well, if humanists are included on the DODs uh, by their uh, rules, like, and they're saying humanism by their standards is a faith group we can have a phys- philosophical debate about whether, like, humanism is a religion. Yeah, but... But the DOD says it is. Mm-hmm. So now, let's say humanism is a religion, if you want to. Uh-huh. Shouldn't Jason be admitted as a chaplain now? This is his argument. And the Navy this week... How could you possibly argue against this? Well, <laughs> the, the Navy has a chaplain board... And basically, they seem to be on the verge of the Navy Chaplain Appointment and Retention Eligibility Advisory Board. They recently recommended that Jason become a humanist chaplain. He would be the first of his kind. But they haven't announced it yet. They haven't made it official yet. And in that interim between the recommendation and them saying it's a green light, you're in, Uh here's what happened this week. A GOP representative in the House, Doug Lamborn, a guy from Colorado, he sent a letter to Navy officials signed by 44 Republican colleagues telling them to reconsider Jason's appointment. And here's what he kind of said in the letter. The secular humanist worldview that Dr. Heap ascribes to does not meet the requirements of the original designation of the role to facilitate religious belief. In other words, the chaplain's role is to facilitate religion. He doesn't believe in a God, therefore, I guess they're saying it's not a religion, therefore, eh, I guess you can't do it. 
Like, we have to stick by the rules, the rigid, inflexible rules, to keep this guy out. It's kind of like they're saying, we don't really want this guy here, so we're going to cite the most literal yeah, interpretation technically, of Technically, this mm-hmm. doesn't fit. Because, I mean, he's not wrong. Like, On if, a philosophical if, level, yeah. we could argue that if, whatever. If the goal of a chaplain is to, what did you say, promote religious... It's to facilitate... Uh, it, Facilitate religious belief is the terminology this Republican used. In that regard, but again, he's not wrong. Do I think he's an asshole? But yes. again, according to the military, right. humanism counts as a religion. Yeah. That's the argument here. That's the only thing. You can disagree with that. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But the military says this. So yeah. on that basis, this guy makes no sense. He went on to say that uh, this Republican said, like, we can't install a chaplain with, quote, an avowed opposition to religion itself. Well. Which, again... He's not here to pick fights with people. He's not here to debate. Hindus have an opposition to Christianity. Muslims have an opposition to Christianity in the sense that they don't agree with it. Right. But they're not there to debate. They're there to provide a service for the military personnel Mm -hmm. who happen to believe that thing. Mm -hmm. That's what Jason Heap would be doing. He's helping the atheist soldiers who are there and the agnostics and humanists and whatever label they use. He's a resource for them. Okay, so that's what one guy sent. Okay. On the Senate side, Roger Wicker, a senator from Mississippi, did the same thing, signed a paper with 23 Republican colleagues in mm-hmm. the Senate, basically calling Jason Heap's approval a grave mistake. And this time he basically said the same thing. The Navy has sufficient authority to create programs for humanist or atheist service members. The Chaplain Corps is not the appropriate place. The Chaplain Corps serves religious needs, not philosophical preferences. And my argument there is, well, every religion is a philosophical preference. Like, just because you don't agree with it doesn't... I mean, think about what these Republicans are doing. They're saying they don't care about all the non-religious soldiers who have these needs. Mm -hmm. They don't care about them. Here's a resource that does... It doesn't cost them anything. They're going to approve chaplains, yet, like, they're going to or they're not going to. The fact that one of them happens to be a humanist should not... They're basically saying, nope, he doesn't fit my strict definition of what counts. So you know what? Screw all the atheist soldiers. Eh, they can live without it. fine. I guess what I... I mean, I, I'm definitely coming to this at a place of some ignorance because I don't have a firm grasp on exactly what a chaplain does. Sure. I, the I, way I think about it is a counselor. No more, no yeah, less. Yeah, because in that regard... I mean, honestly, and this is an unhelpful mm-hmm. thing to say, like, I feel like we should maybe have, like, licensed counselors in there to help them through things as opposed to... Which is what a lot... I think these chaplains, even the religious ones, do have to have that licensure. Oh, I, okay. I don't know if it's, like, maybe the ch- it's church-approved licensure, not necessarily a secular organizations like yeah. the American Medical Association says you're qualified. It's not that... But again, there is some standard, but I think the way to think about this is let's step away from our philosophical arguments about whether atheism is a religion uh-huh. um, and think about it from the military's definition, which is, yeah, humanists count yes, as a religion. you're 100% right. That's the only way we should think about this particular case. Because remember, like even some colleges, our friend Greg Epstein mm-hmm. uh, is the humanist chaplain at Harvard University. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they call him a chaplain. That's the group he works within. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, he's had this argument many, many times. You can argue about whether atheists should be chaplains, humanists should be chaplains, but he is. He fits the definition. They 
they have no problem with it. I think there's eight schools that now have humanist chaplains. Yeah, I mean, it just seems what what these lawmakers are doing feels like purposefully spiteful. Yeah, I think that's the right way to say it. And what are they doing? They're hurting the military and they're hurting soldiers who actually want someone to talk to who kind of speaks their language. Uh Um, And this is from the party that claims they're always for the military. Um, And I want to add one thing to that, which is yesterday... Tony Perkins, that religious right leader, Mm -hmm. was talking about this issue, and he tweeted something uh, that I found remarkably offensive, where he said, (laughs) if there aren't atheists in foxholes, why should we put them in the chaplain corps? So he's basing our military policy off of saying that's not true? Say that one more time. He's basing military policy off of a saying there's no atheists in foxholes that's like... That's easily right. disprovable. Yep. He's, yeah, he's saying, well, atheists aren't even in the military, so we don't need chaplains. I somebody say this thing once, yeah. so it's definitely law. And it's, what's annoying is like, it's such a slanderous thing to say that, oh, there are no atheists who are willing That's to put their lives on the line in the military because so they all believe in God. To veterans. It's totally. so disrespectful. It's disrespectful to Pat Tillman. It's disrespectful to the hundreds, if not thousands, of openly atheist soldiers mm-hmm. who are serving in the armed forces right now. There's a website, if you Google atheists in foxholes, there's one website, militaryatheists.org, that lists ones who are willing to have their names on the site. Yeah. Much less all the ones who are quietly atheists. Right. All that stuff. And it just reeks of, like, uh, when Putin, when the Olympics were going to happen in Russia... When Putin was like, yeah, we just don't have gay people here. Like, that's what it reeks of, of like, if I close my eyes and stick my fingers in my ear and scream these people don't exist, then they don't exist. Like, it's not real then. And again, these are people who claim to want to do everything for the military. But you know what? If they need emotional help, screw them. Well, that's weakness, Hammett. Emotions are weakness. Um, I have another thing about... um, Technicalities and religion. Yes. Uh, so there is a um, a county commissioner from Wichita, Kansas. Um, he's from Sedgwick County. His name is David Unruh. Mm-hmm. Is that how you say it, do we think? I think so. So the headline is, this guy says atheists can go to hell, which is not a bad headline and not really <laughs> like a disservice to what the thing is. And I just watched the clip of, of what happened. So essentially he's sitting in his city council meeting and all and like this video clip that I found, it's just this quote. Are we going to get sued by those people who want us not to believe in God? Why are you so exercised about proving some, that something doesn't exist? It's illogical. If you don't want to believe in it, it's fine with me. I don't care. Go to hell. Fine. <laughs> Which is... He's such a whiny little kid. It's, um, <laughs> it's so sour grapes. The background here was atheists. and uh, They have invocations at their city commissioners' meetings. And an atheist actually applied to deliver that invocation. They said no. Right. And so the Freedom From Religion Foundation wrote a letter to this uh, county and said, you have, if you allow invocations, you can't say no on the basis of a particular belief. And they're doing the same thing, that officially the code says it's open to religious leaders or clergy members of a religious group with an established presence in Sedgwick County. Which is illegal, which you cannot say. If you have invocations, you can't limit it to, oh, it's just religious, like these particular religions. Right. Because some of them always try to stop the Muslims from speaking. They might say, well, you have to have like a solid membership. You must have been around for a while. They'll add on more and more rules to limit 
who counts and like, oh, it's Kansas. It just so happens there's a hundred Christian yeah. churches that could apply the pastors. Yeah, and so the Freedom from Religion Foundation hasn't even sued or decided if they're gonna sue. They just sent them a letter saying, like, hey guys, we see you. Yeah. Like, get your house in order. This is not cool. So, and so he, so he, his interpretation of that is we're going to get sued by the people who want us not to believe in God, which is <laughs> God, such a stretch. Oy. Yeah. Um, they and, actually met this week in a closed door session oh, to yeah? discuss how to respond to FFRF because they really have two options. One is fix their like lim- rules and requirements uh-huh. to allow different people to speak. Or get sued if they want to keep doing this, or at least risk getting sued. Right. We don't know what they decided because they decided to shut that part of the meeting off from right. the audience and the press. And they could, and they're in a position now that they could easily get like backing from a big right wing like place. That yeah, go ahead and sue. We'll foot your bills because they want they love to run this shit right. up to the highest courts they can. But when they lose. And they would lose. Yes. It's up to the taxpayers to pay FFRF's yep. legal bills, and that's going to cost them a lot. And um, the religious right groups that offer, quote-unquote, pro bono help, they're not going to foot that bill. Right. Um, and I was... So I read this on Kansas.com. <laughs> I, like, was very curious to check out the comments section to see what people had to say. And it was actually, like, super lit. It was a really good comment section. It was, like, some very, like very prototypical, like, oh, secularism is for grown-ups, God is for kids, or whatever. But somebody said, this is my favorite um, comment. Somebody said, I'm all for God in prayer, but why is a government entity starting with a prayer? I've wondered this about Congress for decades. <laughs> for decades also, are Buddhists, pagans, Wiccans, Muslims, etc., allowed to, invited to lead the prayer, or just certain categories of Christians? Mm-hmm. Which I am, God, I really hope that my dreams are true, and this is from an actual... Christian person, just but like the way she phrased it was, I'm all forgotten prayer, which feels like a, a phrase I would never use in my entire life. So there we go. Anyway, so that's kind of an interesting thing. I'm curious to see how that shakes out, and hopefully we'll find out soon. That guy continues to be the worst. Uh, Alabama. There's a state representative, Harry, Harry Shiver. Yes, oh, I can't wait to about talk this. about him. He's so wrong. He's right. <laughs> he said he doesn't think arming school teachers is a good idea, which Heaven, you hear that. I agree with him. Good I know. job. How did this guy buck the rest of his party in trying to say we need more guns in schools? He says, no, we don't need more guns no, in schools. Oh, that's school. a terrible idea. But then he kept talking. Uh-huh. And let me quote you on and this. And now he's on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I've heard that 75% of Republicans support it, putting guns in teachers' hands, but I was there live and in person, and I know what it's like in the schools. Most women wouldn't like to be put in that position. I know from South Alabama they wouldn't. Basically, his argument is most teachers are women. Women are scared of guns. Uh-huh. Therefore, guns shouldn't be in classrooms. I'm not saying all women, but most schools, women are a majority of teachers. Some of them just don't want to be trained to possess firearms. If they want to, then that's good. But most of them don't want to learn how to shoot shoot like that and carry a gun. Which is, I mean, <laughs> if you strike the, you know, really gender normative part of it. Yeah, most teachers, I, I would say every teacher I personally <laughs> know is like, no, thank you. I do not want to go through arms training so I can go teach at Naperville Central High School. <laughs> you know what teachers love more courses yeah. to learn stuff. Um, he's this guy's like so misogynistic that he like went off the deep end and came right back around to common sense. It's somehow. insane. And then he okay, so here's t- 
two interesting points. So here's another quote that he said, um, another reason he thinks guns in general are bad in schools. When the high-range patrolman bursts onto a site like that, meaning an active shooter situation, they shoot the first one holding the gun out. They aren't told that the person is qualified to carry a firearm. They don't know, which is a thing most liberals I know have at least stopped on at some point of like, yeah, like, I, like if there's an active um, shooter situation, I'm not going to be the one holding a fucking gun because I'm going to get <laughs> sniped. Um, here's the thing that is sort of, um, I don't know what to do with. Um, so Shiver, he's a retired PE teacher. Um, he's a vocal opponent of the bill. He told AL.com that he will likely abstain from voting on it. Right. So, Can yay. Can you riddle me that? Like, what um, the fuck is that? There was a reason he said he he didn't want guns in school, period. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, he's like, well, if we vote on it, I'm just not going to vote. I don't know if he had a conflict of interest that he couldn't vote or he had said something before. I don't know what the deal is. But, I mean, it's going to pass anyway because he's one Republican out of, like, Alabama Republicans. <laughs> right. Uh, it's like doing There's an all... Alabama number of Republicans. <laughs> yeah. It's an <laughs> Alabama of Republicans. <laughs> He's saying the right things so for all the wrong reasons. Um, I have one more thing it. and then listener mail. Um, oh, I, oh, I, oh, I'm not done. Oh, sorry. Oh, there's some good stuff. I didn't stuff. mean to rush you. Good, because I just have to top off my line. Um, so this is another thing that's a little bit oldish. It's from November. Um, have you heard of Pastor Jeff Crawford in Arkansas? Go on. So he's a megachurch pastor. Um and so the headline I read that uh, like was clickbaity as fuck, and I fell for it, as I'm wont to do. Um, megachurch pastor says, "Woman has no right over her own body; it belongs to God." Mm. And I was like, "All right, okay, okay, you got me, guys. I'm clicking." Um, so this guy, which I, ha- I want to explain this man. Like he has this weird energy about him that he's like pacing back and forth and like hand and he's kind of like like his toes point inward a little bit and he just like gestures in a way that I find really erratic and off-putting. Okay. Um so he so he what he's talking about is you're uh, he's talking about 1 Corinthians 6 um which is my body is a temple. I guess. Okay. I'm taking this from him. I forgot to do research on that particular part. But what his what the pull quote is here is: You hear about the abortion debate, and it's a woman's tri- choice to choose, and she has a right over her bo- her own body. No, that's not true. Implying it belongs to God, so she doesn't get to make that choice. Which, like, yeah, is a super troubling thing to say, but also like in lockstep with what I hear. Here's the interesting thing: because he goes on, <clears throat> and this wasn't the emphasis of of this this article that I read. But he said, I, I, had done, I did a lot of transcribing of people rambling today. I'm really proud of myself. Okay. I haven't had to do that since back in the day when I would uh, blog. <laughs> he said, quote, we carry that over even into our own lives. My body is mine. I can do with my body what I want to do with it, and I can take it where I want to take it, and I can put into my body what I want to put into my body. And we don't get that when we read 1 Corinthians 6. What we get when we read 1 Corinthians 6 is, is that my body is a temple to the Holy Spirit. And that means that your arms and your legs and your head and your eyes, it all belongs to God. And he goes on to talk about tattoos and piercings and like, I'm not saying I'm against them, but just make sure you're always glorifying God with your body. And he talks about how like, that's why porn is so bad. Masturbation is so bad because you can't unsee porn. And when you're, when you're masturbating, you're ruining God's body. 
Um, and I, it's just, it was rambly. Imagine and, if you had to live with that mindset all day. That, okay, thank you. That's exactly what I'm trying to get to. It's like, yes, I expect that. Sounds like that. such a miserable existence. Yeah, I expect that rhetoric surrounding abortion and things like that, but... To take it, like, because I, I think a lot about um, thought crimes when it comes to Christianity of, oh, I can't even have a lustful thought because otherwise X, Y, and Z. Um, but I guess it, in my head it didn't sort of, like, go this far into, like, my physical body. Like, I guess we hear about tattoos, but, like, I can put whatever into my body I want. So I'm sure he's talking about, like, drugs, but I'm think, thinking, like, I had leftover Domino's pizza for lunch today. Like, is God <laughs> mad at me about that? Maybe. God is not a Domino's fan. That's not true. The guy who founded Domino's is like... Oh, he's hardcore Catholic, Catholic, isn't he? Catholic, yeah. I'll never give up Domino's. I don't care. I love it so much. (laughs) Um, So anyway, it was just a layer. So like for me, as somebody who did not grow up religious in in any regard, once in a while, I kind of get a peek into what people really think and how they view in theory or how these, these pastors encourage them to view their lives and their bodies. And it, it, I don't know, it's just really interesting to me of like, God, I never thought, like, you really don't have anything that's your own. Everything about who you are and what you are and what you do is always and, about this other thing. And you think about how often do a lot of those pastors make, if you have a dirty thought, if you have a naughty thought, like there's something wrong with you mm-hmm. and you need to stop it. Like the amount of repression, I know we've talked about Book of Mormon on this show, like they have entire songs dedicated to yes. that. Uh, in like the musical, I mean, switch. yeah, like if you have a bad thought, repress it. Don't let it happen, <laughs> much less do anything or act on it. Like it's just a miserable existence. And this is why when you hear from people who have left religion, it's they talk about like you're breaking a spell. They talk about I'm free now. I can have my own thoughts and nobody's yeah. going to like come in and like no one's looking through my brain yeah. and like m- is going to spite me. Nobody's going to bean John Malkovich me. me. Yeah. They're not going to get in my head and like make me feel bad or anything. Nope. Like, yeah. Your thoughts are your thoughts. Your actions are a different story. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the thought crime thing is ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway. That was that. This I, I know the Oscars happened a while back, but two uh, weeks two ago. weeks ago, yeah. So Matt Barber, who's another one of these right wing uh, people, he was on the talk show of this former Y'all Colorado State. Y'all haven't just rolled rep. his eyes so hard when it's he not, said talk. It's show. such a it's a horrible <laughs> shitty YouTube show uh, by this guy Gordon Klingenschmidt, who is also a former God, Colorado State rep. Today. He was elected Colorado? to office. Yeah, this guy was elected to state office. Not anymore. He got voted out because he's horrible. Uh-huh. But anyway, they were talking together. They were talking about the Oscars, and they were talking about the in memoriam segment that oh, always no. appears on the Oscars, where they highlight, you know, the people was we lost there a man over that Billy the past Graham year. Didn't oh yeah. So every year they have Tell this in me memoriam they segment. This in like some written reality, of course not. They were mad because Billy Graham didn't appear in the In Memoriam segment where they honor the dead people from the past year. Here's the thing about the segment, though, because there are articles written about this thing. They maybe have two to three hundred people to choose from. People who are in front of the screen on camera, people who are behind the scenes. Members of the Academy, Members of the Academy. Yeah, people who are involved in filmmaking, which is not just actors and actresses. And they whittle it down to kind of, these are the people who probably made the biggest impact Mm -hmm. in their respective fields. But just this year, for example, Batman, Adam West... He didn't make the cut. <gasps> You're right. Um, Della Reese, who was on Touched by an Angel, uh, that actress, she wasn't included on the list. Yeah, there must be a thing and about movies. You because... can argue about what, whether they deserve to or oh, didn't Della deserve Reese. to. I know people in Hollywood argue about this stuff 
a lot when this comes up. Mm -hmm. But the fact is there are more than like a hundred, couple hundred people who don't get included. Right. What did Matt Barber ask? Like, what did they mention? Billy Graham. He wasn't on there. And Klingenschmidt says, you know, he... I'm going to quote this. I'm going to start with Billy Graham was not honored by the Oscars, although his first big crusade was right there in Los Angeles, right there in Hollywood, and he led thousands of souls to Christ. Why wasn't he remembered? Matt Barber's response, because they hate him. Because Hollywood hates him. That's not how any of this works. No, of course it's not. And again, they would know that if they did two seconds of research, which they don't do. This is an example. Do we think that they are being willfully obtuse, or do we think they just don't get it? I, no, I think they just don't get it. I okay. think they really believe the world is out to get them. Okay. This goes back to the thought crime thing. It's not just you can't have bad thoughts. It's that you live in a constant state of everyone is out to get you. And yeah. so when Hollywood doesn't acknowledge your master, yeah. it's like, well, they must have hated him. Oh, they didn't mention God in their thank you speech. They must hate God. It's like, no, that's not what anyone's doing. Maybe they forgot. Maybe they don't care. Yeah. But... That's different than like active. I'm gonna get up there with my Academy Award and say, make my you, speech God. and like just stick it to you personally. Yeah. It's always about them. I, I think about that a lot about regarding are these people like do they really not get it and they're just like willing to see? It's one of those like when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. Like yep. everything they see is like Christian oppression. Yeah. Versus, are they manipulating the public? I don't. I think in this think instance, they're obviously just kind of idiots. Yeah, I, I think it's different from like the televangelists who are trying to make money off of this thing. I think they know more than they let on. Uh-huh. I think Matt Barber's just dumb. <laughs> like he really does yeah. think he's being persecuted, and he's not. Yeah. But he refuses to admit that. Um, this is the same guy, by the way, who years ago was like, "This is my daughter's math homework," and he's like, "Look at the subtraction, the method, the textbook uses." <sighs> And it's like, no, the method's fine. As a math teacher at the time, I'm like, the method's fine. This is like fine. against Common Core? Uh, yeah, something like that, where he's like, look at what they're making her do. This is a problem that should be done in two seconds, but they're taking this long method to make her do it. Like, yeah, it's called teaching. Yeah. <laughs> they're teaching her how to do it. They're doing it slowly at first sure. so that she could do it fast later on. Like, he just assumes everything's horrible and out to get him if he doesn't agree with it already. Yeah. I have one more story that I want to mention because it just came out of nowhere. And I was reading this thing and I'm just like, it's just batshit crazy. Here's the story. This woman named Cynthia McCullough, North Carolina, she's a pastor. That's irrelevant. She (laughs) suffers from a, quote, severe and debilitating disease, specifically Mm -hmm. reflex sympathetic dystrophy. It's, It's a nervous system disorder that really leaves her unable to dress and bathe without help. So she can't even bend over. She can't reach certain parts of her body without help. Um, She suffered a loss of range of motion. So what she needs is she needs like a nurse to come by and help her with some basic stuff every day. Um, The good news here on her end is that she had insurance. And so the insurance says, you know, it's one of those like, yep, we got to cover you. We will cover you, assuming this is what you have. So they covered her. Um, since 2010, Sounds they began... Sounds like a good story so far, right? She, they covered her since 2010. Since that time, the amount of money she's cost, they've paid out to her in reimbursements and all that, mm-hmm. $389,479. But whatever, that's how insurance works. It's one of those, like, not everyone has this disease, but she does. It costs a lot to take care of it. Yeah. So what one thing they wanted to do is... I think this is the way the insurance company's mindset was, is we're spending a lot of money on this woman. Uh, Let's make sure everything's kosher. 
So they sent their own, uh, uh, I think, people to visit with her, uh-huh. make sure she's getting the help she needs. The answer was, yeah, everything seems fine. Cool. Um, but then they also wanted to double check that, you know, something seemed off according to their people. Like, yeah, she got doctors. There was a nurse visiting. But they also surveilled her for a couple of days. Uh-huh. Which is pretty common <clears throat> with big insurance claims. You sit a lot with workers, workers' comp. Right. You just want to make sure, claims. like, is she really in pain and right. stuff? Like, whatever. They're in public, but they're just watching her. And they found her moving around with no problem. She was walking. She was carrying groceries from the car back and forth. She seemed to have a normal gait when she was walking. She was lifting her arms to put groceries in the Which is car, something she wasn't supposed to be able to do. Which, yeah, in theory, this thing is supposed to prevent you from doing that. Okay. Uh, by the way, she was also driving on her own without a problem, which okay. was also weird. And then on the very dates that... Uh, they were doing the surveillance and like monitoring all this stuff. Her church posts a picture on Facebook tagging her saying like, here's Reverend Dr. McCullough going down like a giant inflatable slide. Oh no. And helping a girl play skee ball, which if you played it, like you have to bend over a lot and you're playing that. Like, so basically She's bullshitting them this whole time. Is oh my according God. so the insurance company is now suing her. Uh, they want their money back. Yeah, and they're saying you defrauded us. We caught you. There's proof on Facebook. I checked by the way after the lawsuit was filed. Facebook post is still up. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, and basically they said. And by the way, the reason they caught her, quote unquote, is because she had requested reimbursements on the dates listed on this Facebook post. That's like the smoking gun right there. Oh, she said, dude. reimburse me for December 31st. Well, this post is from December 31st and it happened today. Tiniest bit <laughs> of like, cover your own ass, dude. What are you doing? Yeah, you got to lie better than that if you're a pastor. And so, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, basically they're suing her, saying she didn't really need our help. We want our money back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, whatever. It's in the courts. They'll figure it out. I don't care. But if the, the evidence seems pretty damning just from the lawsuit. Yeah. And it's just shocking, maybe not shocking, that it's like, she's not just a random person defrauding the insurance. She's a pastor. Oh, my God. Whose job it is, like you would think, to not lie about this sort of thing. Wow. Um, that's that's rough, I just, dude. It was the strangest lawsuit. Kind of funny and kind of like, you're not Sad even good at lying. Yeah. Um. Anyway, you yeah. had, you said there was listener mail. There was listener mail. So, like, as of 9 o'clock this morning, we didn't really have a lot of actionable listener mail. And I tweeted, and literally, I think, like, three minutes later, uh, Sierra emailed us. So that was easy. So, yeah, if you have questions or comments or concerns that you want us to address on air, I guess they don't necessarily have to be questions. They can just be Whatevs. ruminating thoughts. I don't know. What did Sierra say? <laughs> Thank you for bringing me back on track. Oh, mm-hmm. you can email us at friendlyatheistpodcast.gmail.com. Hey, Hammett, Jessica and Hammett. Sorry, I wanted to make sure I got that order right. It was <laughs> Jessica and Hammett. Um, I grew up in the Catholic Church, spent my teens and early 20s in a Pente- Pentecostal church, and went to Pentecostal college, which I feel like Catholic to Pentecostal is not a regular transition. No, that's a big change okay. right there. Um, then spent a good amount of time in an Anglican church. I don't know anything about Anglicans. Less serious than the Pentecostals. Gotcha. Pentecostals are intense. Yeah. Snakes, question mark? Some of the Pentecostals. Um, All the while trying to convince myself that God was real, even though deep down I knew I didn't believe. Uh, I finally stopped fighting with myself this summer and embraced atheism. My My anxiety and depression are much better, and it feels like a weight has been taken off my shoulder. 
My only issue, I don't know how to make friends outside of a church setting. I realize now that I only really went to church for community, and I don't know how to find that now. Any tips? You guys have been doing a great job helping during my uh, deconstruction, by the way. Thanks for everything you do. Sierra McConnell from Pittsburgh. Sweet message. Um, Thank you One, you're almost asking the wrong person because I don't have friends. As I was reading that, I was Uh, like, why am I asking him? Yeah. Uh, But... If you're, this is, and we've talked about this, I think we talked about it last week. One of the reasons people stay in church, even when they don't believe, is because of that social safety net. Mm Because this is where their community is, is where their friends are. Mm -hmm. And when you're saying no to God, you don't want to say no to your friends, Mm -hmm. too. You don't want to turn your back on them. And in some cases, when it's like a culty Jehovah's Witnessy type thing, Mm -hmm. if you leave, they're literally going to disassociate with you. Yeah. So how do you make friends outside of that? What are ways people get together these days? I don't know. So um, so as somebody who's not totally similar to this, but I you know, moved out to the suburbs um, about a year, almost, oh, almost two years ago. I'm going to suburbanite. Um, so I kind of dealt with the same thing that I felt like I didn't really know anybody and I didn't know how to go about making friends and where I worked wasn't close to where I live, so that didn't help. So the way I have made friends has been... One through Facebook groups, which I, um, I don't know. I've, I've kind of had a really nice couple of years with Facebook groups that are like you whittle down from. So you mean uh, like community Facebook groups or by interest Facebook groups? Uh, for me, it's been by interest, but I think you can do any. So a lot of mine are like a podcast and then the podcast has spinoff groups. And then it, so like my one is like, I listen to my favorite murder as in the group. And then there was like, Chicagoland murderinos and then like <laughs> suburbanite murderinos and then I I'm pretty sure that's like a right wing wet dream right there. Yeah, There's no, no, no. a Facebook we're, group for Chicago murderinos. Yeah, all of us talk about how our spouses think we're insane. So we're like like <laughs> literally tonight. I'm like, I'm gonna dinner with my murder friends. Um but yeah, it's just we're all into cr- true crime. Uh so literally it just took like, hey, I live in this area. Does anybody want to meet for drink one night? And and there are Facebook groups for different cities, whatever the cities are, yeah. where they're discussing all sorts of things. And maybe you're not like-minded in a lot of those mm. ways. I think also, like... Try, try. Meetup groups, same thing, where I mean, you can or, find people based on your interest in mm-hmm. your area. You could find people... I mean, that's actually a wonderful way mm-hmm. that I've heard of to meet people, <laughs> which so, is just something like that, where they're saying, look, these are the people in the area. Mm-hmm. Here's all the various interest groups that you might be interested in. Mm-hmm. Click on a bunch of them, join a bunch of them, yeah. and they'll all have different meetings on different days. Mm-hmm. But I think the hardest thing to do is just putting yourself out there saying, yeah, I'll go to this thing. There's a good chance I may not yeah. want to be around any of these people or hang out with them. Mm-hmm. But just putting yourself out there and willingness to like talk to people Mm -hmm. That's a big deal. One other thing I would add is just if you do have a serious interest about something, uh, pursue that specific interest. So, for example, if you're an atheist and there is like an atheist gathering of sorts and Mm -hmm. you're really passionate about this, try to attend that even if it's an hour or two away because you may find people who are like-minded in that sense and then you never know what develops. Yeah, and she's in Pittsburgh, so it's not like she's in, you know, rural south where she might not find a lot of like-minded people i would say like i've met people through volunteering like i it's not just volunteering once in a while it's i go every monday i do the same volunteer so i've become friends with those people um take a class you know i did like when i took my dog to training classes we made friends that way i've met friends just going to the park every day it's and and i will admit it is hard and can be frustrating and you you know it takes a while but i think 
there is definitely many ways people make friends. Like making friends as an adult is the pits anyway. So like <laughs> I'm very sympathetic to that. I don't know how old she is. Um, she didn't but say. But it's not but easy if you're not in college and like yes. you're in the real world sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, like if you have the disposable funds and I'm aware that a lot of people don't like take a guitar class or like just a thing. to. I t- You know what? I uh, took a stand-up comedy class four or five years ago and I'm still friends with like half of my class today. There's, if you have any kind of creative interest, whether it's writing, whether it's comedy, whether it's music, just take a class or do a drop-in thing. It, it, I, you'll Keep in mind people. that if you're friends at church, the people you were friends with at these various churches or something, you maybe were friends because you had that one thing in common. But the truth is, according to Sierra, you didn't really have that thing in common now, did you? Yeah. And yet you're still, you don't want to lose them because they're still your friends. Like you, you might think this is the mm-hmm. thing that ties you all together, mm-hmm. but it's not. And by the way, there's, there shouldn't be a reason that they're not still your friends, mm-hmm. even if you're leaving their church. But unfortunately, I know that's not necessarily the case, Yeah. but it doesn't mean you have to like say no to them, even if they are part of the church. Mm-hmm. I did last summer, I signed up for like Naperville softball and it was literally like you can sign up as a team or you can just sign up as a person and they have like an orphans team and I've met a bunch of friends through that like there's things to do if you're you but you have to be willing to be social like you do have to like the the onus is on you to take that first step and like leave your house which believe me as somebody who's barely left my couch for the better part of a year (laughs) it can be difficult but schedule something that you kind of have to show up to so you can't you know whether it costs money or whatever like Make yourself go. Hey, if you're in Pittsburgh and you want to make a friend, yeah. let us know before we get along to Sierra. Her name's Sierra. She seemed very nice. She emailed me very quickly. <laughs> um, Hammond, what's your happy thing this week? Uh, happy. Give me a second. Okay. Think about it. Think um, about it. I uh, got a job. Look at you. Yeah, finally. But um, I'm very excited about it. It's in the nonprofit space, which I'm excited about. It's in the STEM space, which I'm super excited about. So essentially, I'm going to be doing... Um, uh, marketing and communications for a uh, nonprofit that promotes continuing education for neurological surgeons, which is a buck wild thing for me to be getting involved in because I have, I know little to nothing about it. Um, but I'm really excited. I think I'm going to learn a lot and, um, I'm just very, very happy. And Congratulations Thank to you. you. Um, I'm watching March Madness all weekend. Oh yeah. I know you, nothing about any of the teams, but it is do, fun you, to do watch. you have a bracket? No. To have a bracket, you need friends, which let's back up 10 minutes. <laughs> and You can do like ESPN brackets. With what group? There, yeah, there was a time when there like, were like atheist groups are online. Just like, yeah. hey, if you want to do it to be a part of this. At this point, I'm just like, nah, I don't even care that much. I don't even care about the brackets. I just kind of enjoy like that it's there's fun 16 games in a single day. <laughs> it's like, yup, next one. Let's go. <laughs> Hey, look, it's only the last two minutes of the game. Just That's all, all I need. That's all I need. Did uh, just, that I makes have, me happy. I haven't paid attention. Did Ball State University make What's the... a Ball State University? No, they didn't make it. Did DePaul make Actually, the... I don't know. They could have. I don't know. I'm they sure. didn't watch. Loyola's I'm the only sure Chicago team. I would have heard about it if Ball State University made it. <laughs> Loyola did make it, and man, they had a good game yesterday. That was fun. Cool. So, yeah, basketball. That was sweet. Um, they also have a nun who's their team chaplain. Private school. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, but they have a nun who's 98 years old and their team chaplain who went with them because she hasn't seen them oh, win a bless her heart. Ja- NCAA tournament win. Is she like in full like 30... habit nun? Uh, no. Oh. No. Uh, okay, I'm going to keep just... that in my head anyway because that's what I want it to be. But she's like a 98-year-old lady who's surrounded by these men who are like twice her right. height. 
and it's adorable. Oh, I love and, it. And they, I'm not giving anything away here. They won on basically a last second <laughs> shot yesterday. Spoilers. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, they won on a last second shot. And like, again, how often do you see a 98 year old woman get super excited? That was cute. Infrequently. So, that was fun. Oh, that's great. So, uh, Hammond, where can we find you on the uh, internet? I am at Hammond Meta. I'm at friendlyatheist.com. I'm everywhere else. Go cool. find me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-I-E. Oh, I accidentally had, um, you know, Chris Hayes, the, um, the yes. MSNB speak. <laughs> I tweeted at him because they were talking about Trump's body man who got fired and escorted out, which is a crazy story that's already <laughs> like out of the... personal assistant yeah, got fired. Yeah, it's already out of the news cycle. Not only did he get fired, <laughs> he got escorted off the grounds, couldn't even grab his coat or, like, any of his personal effects. They, like, grabbed him by the scruff of the neck and bounced him. But anyway, Chris Hayes had this guy on who was, like, trying to explain what a body man was, and I tweeted at Chris Hayes, like... This guy's been explaining what a body man is for like three minutes and nobody has said Charlie Young from West Wing, like speak our <laughs> language. And three minutes later, Chris Hayes like quoted and replied to my tweet, like while he was on a commercial break. <laughs> and I cannot tell you how off putting it is to be like, you're on TV. What are you doing? <laughs> Stop replying to me. Yeah, like, don't that was rhetorical. Like, Even though you added do him. Do research. <laughs> um, anyway, it was a really fun, weird thing that happened to me that night. Um, where was that? Oh, my Etsy shop is uh, Bitches Get Stitched Done. Um, I've got some empty. Oh, somebody reached out today about a custom thing. Um, Make it happen. Yeah, I emailed them back. So if you need anything custom, let me know. I'm going to be working full time now, so I won't have as much time, <laughs> I guess. Um, anyway, um, thank you for Thanks listening. Thanks for listening. We'll um, see you next week. Oh, patreon.com oh, yeah, slash hey. friendly at podcast. The next episode of Fables should be coming up uh, early April. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.